a bunch of witty bitches. Hey, Papa. Hey, I have a quip. You have a quip. We'll put that for a quip. It's just cadals. Pero pepo. A pepo, a pepo, beep. Pero babu. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to Witty Banter, episode number 80. I'm one of your hosts, Chase Williams. Joining me today, we have the lead knob turner, Hunter Dorset. Turning knobs, getting all the slobs. Getting you can have the slobs. I'm a knob. I don't know, man. That was <laughs> just, bad. That was just, whatever. Just saving yeah, saving you from the trenches. We have the man himself, the forger of masks, Tanner Batishill. Welcome to the show, man. I'm excited to have you here. Salutations. It is a pleasure to be here. I'm super excited. We had to get you on because after you crafted that metal or magic helmet, we had to talk to you in person, man. That thing is a beast. I'm looking at it right now. It's quite beautiful. <laughs> I think I'm going to like cradle it once I have it. Like, I, I would be lying minutes. if I haven't cradled it, if I said I didn't cradle it myself. <laughs> it's quite <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, man. So we plan uh, later in the show to get into the nitty gritty on just everything that you do in terms of making uh, cosplay and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll have to just dangle that in front of the listeners right now and make them uh, make them wait for it. But yeah, we're excited to have you on the show. The internet makes everything easy. It's really cool that you get to drop in. If, as yeah. you noticed, if Woody Banter uh, Nation, no Max Scott today because, well, frankly, there was just there was just too much awesome in Tanner to fill up in a single podcast oh, so please. i'm sure to the great dismay of my girlfriend but uh yeah I, I it's it's pretty cool that you know we have him he's unfortunately not able to go but then we have someone come right in that we've been wanting to talk to and it's our first internet guest yep. and he's in freaking he's almost what do you what would you consider yourself midwest yeah Is midwest that? so like okay yeah cincinnati area in ohio so yeah pretty oh, far yeah. away the long trek like if this you want, if you wanted to get here, you would have to do like Indiana Jones, like dun dun dun, dun like the oh, yeah. the red dot across the across the map. Yeah, across the map, definitely. All right. Um, speaking of of Mandy, the dedicated cheerleader and all around badass of Witty Banter, she is the one who recommended the beer that we're going to be reviewing today, which is the Shannon Brewing Company Fire Brew Fire Brewed Honey Porter. And Tanner, I know that you are a man who doesn't frequent the alcoholic drink, so you're going to let the beer review be handled by us today, mm-hmm. and we'll try our best to you. sound like we uh, know what we're talking about. But Hunter, <laughs> can you introduce this beer a little bit to us? I can. So this is the third time that the brewery has made me go in and say I'm 21. You know, that's I, that's. I, I didn't know that that was like going to be so common, but nowadays I think it's, it's a killer. widespread thing, right? I guess so. I guess I can stop mentioning it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, the jokes it's no longer a joke, it's just a fact of life. <laughs> okay, so th- on the website, the it's a fall seasonal. Shannon Honey Porter is a rich and complex Baltic porter that starts with a subtle malty sweetness and finishes beautifully dry. This beer is brewed to have a complex blend of deep malt, dried fruit esters and a little higher ABV than our other beers. We add Texas wildflower honey during the whirlpool stage, so the beer has a slight honey aroma without too much sweetness. It's got 6.5 ABVs, 27 IBUs, and uh, I'm kind of excited. This is the first hand-delivered suggestion. You know what's got, awesome, so. also dope about this? This brewery is located in Keller, Texas, which is also the location of one of the coolest dudes ever and our best friend, Cole Blair. Oh, shit. So this beer's already scoring points I didn't link me. that. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, have you got a little a little sniff on it? I got a little sniff. I got a poor daddy. A little poor daddy up. It's uh, it's not filtered at all. It is super dark, and you cannot see through it whatsoever. I got like a slight brown uh, head on it, and it dis- it was a little thick, but it dissipated pretty quickly. And it looks like a like Coke kind of to me. It's super it brown. Does, actually, now that I'm actually seeing these things, yeah, it definitely looks like Coke. Yeah. Yeah, from yeah, because you could see kind of like through just the top end, but uh, but yeah, I didn't get a whole lot of head on it either. So this thing is sweet, <laughs> as you would have guessed it being brewed with Texas honey, and I guess what I'm picking up on it most is those dried fruit esters that it's talking about. But I don't know, man. It it really hits you in in the front of the t- uh, flavor profile with almost everything that it's got. I feel like yeah. everything that it listed um, in its description almost is like fighting over itself 
at, in upon the first sip, and it finishes like fairly clean. I guess it, I mean it, it finishes dry to an extent. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that description. I'm gonna kind of wait on that, but I don't know. On, on first blush, it's it's not sitting too well with me. So they said at the very end of their synopsis, without too much sweetness. Would you agree with that? I mean, the thing is, the second I drink it, like even you, even smelling it, it smells sweet. But I think it's super sweet on the like in the forward uh, flavor profile. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely. I think you're right in saying that. Like at the very beginning of it, um, there's a lot going on. Um, but I will say that like I got a couple of hints where after after you're getting to like the mid to mid second half part of the taste profile you do get a little bit of that like it's just like a very light subdued honey sweet um it's kind of like it's calling to you as it's it's being drawn away <laughs> oh, no. uh, <laughs> with just a little bit of honey and i don't know if uh, texas honey is superior to other honey but we'll it's definitely you know, are you kidding me of course it is come on yeah i mean our cincinnati honey is pretty subpar so i'm, I'm <laughs> imagining the beauty that is texas honey get We're those bees all in the open range man they're happy bees <laughs> all right but yeah no this is good yeah we'll uh, we'll see how it how it is when it opens up yeah i have a feeling that this one can either be like complex um and and sort of pull off a lot of a lot of things at once, or it might just be too crowded. I'm kind of interested to see how how it plays out. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm excited. This is episode 80. We're back in the saddle. We had our uh, our bonanza behind us. A, a big thanks again to everyone who was on the show, man. That was that was an awesome time. I don't think we could have asked for it to go any better, man. Like I'm so I'm so uh, root routine and thinking now that shit's just gonna go wrong yeah. that that when it actually doesn't go wrong i still feel kind of like shit went wrong until i'm looking at the final product and i'm like oh wait it actually kind of sounds wait. pretty good yeah this went the way it's supposed to go oh <laughs> that's how it feels feels good feels real feels good, good man. man okay well let's go ahead and jump right into the news this is witty banter man <laughs> you got, got like, like a deep Barry I, White. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I was going more beats. for like the the Bing Crosby, like the like a blue Christmas <laughs> guy. Like, yeah, it sounds like you're underwater, man. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. amazing. Bioshock <laughs> edition, am I right? Yeah. There you go. All right. So we have uh, a few news stories ranging from light to. Interesting. I don't know. That's a weird spectrum anyway. <laughs> Light to interesting. Cool. I see that on the spectrum. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I am hyped. This first one comes from Kotaku, and it's a headline that like I can't really grapple with. And it is, a Candy Crush Saga TV show is in the works. And what? Yeah. <clears throat> and it reads, just when we thought we were over the Candy Crush Saga frenzy, CBS, Lionsgate, and King reveal plans to turn their hit mobile game into an hour-long live-action TV game show. According to the official press release from CBS, 18 billion rounds of Candy Crush Saga and its spin-offs are still played every month around the world. That's the sort of number that gets television heads turning and likely a driving force behind CBS ordering a game show based around King's performing uh, platform-defining series. They've tapped reality TV king Matt Kunitz, who is known for the real world and Fear Factor, to create a brand new format in which two two teams of people, two teams of two people, use wits and ability to navigate an enormous interactive game board. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get more mumble, grumble, this, groan. What's going on? I mean, isn't there like a movie that's coming out like this weekend, like the Trolls movie, like where it's like you know, like the troll dolls, like that we grew up with, where it's like the hair goes up. There's a <laughs> yeah. movie of that now. Now we're getting freaking candy. Oh my god! It really oh, does man. feel like just a symbolic point of yeah, we'll uh, literally do anything and put it on TV for money. It's just like, it's like if it has the numbers, it's gonna get money behind it. Right. But yeah, I, I don't. I, I I'm glad. I'm glad at the very least. That you weren't gonna say that they were gonna try and put some plot yeah. story in around Cranny Candy Crush and like hop on the missing cut or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I can't I understand how these blue grapes are gonna get along with these purple grapes <laughs> without getting crushed. Watch out yeah. these yellow uh, bananas. Yeah, it's just like oh, they're oh, crushing oh. everybody. Oh, but uh, but I mean, eighteen billion. 
Yeah. Is it million or 18 billion? 18 billion rounds of Candy Crush. So, um, that's surprising, man. I mean, I know that when it came out, it was fire. But now, I mean, I, I literally never hear anyone talk about Candy Crush anymore. Well, I think, I mean, if you recall, we did a news story. I don't remember how long ago it was, but King, the developer behind them, got bought for like $4, bi- like $4 billion, something Absurd. It was more money than uh, Microsoft spent to acquire Mojang, who does uh, Minecraft. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's a game that we don't hear about because I, you know, we're not the ones playing it. But it's still played by just sort of everyday passerbys on their mobile phones, like in trains right. and, and everything. Like everyone still plays this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably just like the casual gamer go-to of our time. Yeah, really. And it's a simple match three game, so like anyone can understand it, you know. Right. Have I have either of y'all played? I I have I have not, but I it seems like like I'll forget about it that it exists, and there's that bliss of like, oh, I don't want to worry about Candy Crush, and then like <laughs> my friend's grandma will be like, here's an invite on Facebook, I'm like, oh god, it still <laughs> exists. Why? I learned about this thing called Candy Crush uh, on the Facebooks, and it's just like. It's not like I get, have anything against it. It's just I think that there's enough games out there. I understand like if you're going to work, like you're commuting, you're on a bus or something, you just need something to quickly pass the time. But I think there's way other games out there that are more intriguing and different than just yeah. match threes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, we'll yeah. see how that one goes. I mean, I, I think I think you're, Hunter, I'm with you in, in saying that. Uh, thank God it wasn't like a TV series. At least it's a game show, <laughs> you know. Right. I was really like gonna get real. I was gonna be like, how are they gonna sell, sell this? Like, coming this summer. <laughs> the world. <laughs> All right. This next one comes from Polygon, and it reads: Harry Potter spinoff series Fantastic Beasts will now have five movies. And it oh reads, yeah, a new Harry Potter film saga is set to begin <laughs> next month with Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And that spinoff series will now run for five movies instead of three, author J.K. Rowling announced today during a fan event in London. And this was a couple days ago. Um, I'm not going to read more into the story. I just wanted to bring this up more as like a conversation piece because this feels uh, very parallel to like The Hobbit mm-hmm. where... Uh, what Peter Jackson, you know, is like, we're gonna make the Hobbit movie, and we're all like, kind of like, okay, this could be cool. It kind of feels like a money grab, and then it just ended up being this trilogy and all this stuff. And I don't think those movies were very well received. I, no one talks about them; they're largely forgettable. Right. And here we have a, a a book, or not even a book. Is is Fantastic Beasts and Where it Find it, them? A no, book? It, it's it's literally like an encyclopedia for all the different monsters and stuff. Or at least the okay. book that I read when I was a kid. There's there's that. And there might have been the Fantastic Beast book, and that might be a completely different thing that I'm wrong about. But right. I remember having a like a little encyclopedia that I would read, like, "Oh yeah, this is cool." So the fact that they're stringing five movies out of this, right? I mean, God, talk about squeezing blood from a rock, man. Yeah, it, I think that it's just like I hate when that something like that happens because I mean, The Hobbit was like going to be my first go because Lord of the Rings is like a really great trilogy and they're like hey let's keep going with the hobbit and it's like yeah. it's if it's just one book it's a kid's book it's like i think it's less than like 200 pages or maybe 300 pushing it and then they stretch that out to three movies that was just so and like, everyone watched the result like in front of their eyes and the result right. was pretty bad you know but the only thing about that is i feel like the hobbit was a good enough like story and had enough clout right. to where Maybe having three movies was, like, too much, and they kind of fucked up on that. Sure. Right. But, like, if you had one movie of that, they could have made that dope. Right. right. Whereas, like, they're right off the bat saying this is – and I don't know if this has a plot or anything. I, I mean, maybe you would know more, but, like, five five automatically. Yeah. You know? Just all and the five before it even comes out. I, I don't know. It's just, like, <laughs> I hate to say it, but, like, it, I just feel like when you – look so far ahead because of the success of what came before it it just seems so like gives that to some freaking tribes in africa or something man wait what (laughs) What? (laughs) like 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 there's so much money flowing around oh yeah with this stuff that's being planned like 
10 years in the future off of stuff that they are entirely speculating about. Donate that about, shit to charity. Quit enough yeah. with the Harry Potter films. Kids I thought you were like saying, like, take Harry Potter to, like, Kenya. Like, take the movie. <laughs> yeah. just put on, like, what is this Harry Potter? Like, just, Listen, like, we've just got a new direction. Hear us yeah. out. Harry Potter runs a marathon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but, yeah, like, I don't know. It just, like, this first started for me thinking about the, this way with, like, Avatar, when they were talking about Avatar coming out mm-hmm. with, like, four new movies yeah. or some shit. And we were speculative about that, and that was, like, the great, like the, the biggest movie that came out ever, I think, at that time. Yeah, I think it's still um, the highest grossing movie of all time. And, and and it just runs right in line with like oh well Marvel is going to yep. put out like here's, seventy here's our nine year schedule future. you know right. you know where your ass is going to be on Friday the thirteenth <laughs> in fucking two thousand and twenty two you know it's nuts and I don't I, it's not like I hate the idea of planning ahead or anything or like having a long term scheme it just seems like I just I just feel like at what what cost does the true entertainment actually happen when you can anticipate something for that long you know right that, yeah, yeah i think the yeah well, go, go ahead go ahead i was going to say that like based solely on like source material that you're drawn from like in like retrospect the hobbit trilogy is the movies is the hobbit but also takes things from the cimmerillion which is like the bible of the lord of the rings where it talks about gandalf and all these things so it talked about the necromancer and like how sauron came back into the world so you had yeah. those blend of those two books, but with the Fantastic Beasts, it's just it's just like a dictionary of monsters. I don't know where they're gonna get a five movie story from. Yeah, and that's and talking about like planning ahead, it's just like what what if it's just so strange that one, what if these movies aren't successful by like movie two? You know, right. then yeah. then no, you're not gonna be making five movies. But, like, another thing, especially when we're talking about The Hobbit, I, th- I think it's, like, the end of the second film. that It, like, made me very upset just as a moviegoer because it leaves on just... I mean, the movie, in my opinion, didn't end. It just stops. Mm-hmm. And when you have, like, these stories that are supposed to continue over, like, a variety of movies, I feel like they are not... They're not only hurt by that, but then you have, like, basically these apologists who come out and say, like, well, you know, the next movie is going to clarify all that stuff. It's like, well, that's not the point. Like, I came in here for an hour and a half, and what you showed me wasn't a complete thought or idea just because they want me to go see the next one, you know? I just feel like everything suffers because of it. Right. Yeah, it's like... I mean, yeah, I think you're the point that you were saying at, right after watching that second Hobbit movie was like that movie, like if you were going to watch all three movies in a row, maybe it wouldn't be shitty. But mm-hmm. then like that movie doesn't stand on its own as a complete movie. Yeah. Right. And you wonder, like, are they going to have three movies in this one that don't stand on their own between the <laughs> beginning and the end of the fucking movie? Oh, I mean, come on. Cringeworthy. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. It's like, I don't want to be like, eh, I'll see you in like two years. Like, then doing that three times. Yeah. And that, just like the, and like the fact that they have five movies that they're planning to, to go into, it, it just almost seems like they're chalking it up to be a foregone conclusion that people are going to go watch these and that the plot's going to be good. And like, mm-hmm. it's just like, it just makes me sad. I'm like, it just makes me think of cattle people, you know, like oh, we're just going to plop in all the seats and shit. And I'm like, are people really just going to go and well, watch all five of these? Yeah, like, and it's kind of an interesting question. Like, I think that, you know, the Harry Potter fan base across the world is massive, just unbelievably oh, huge. And I think... Deservedly these, so. I mean, it's huge. It's right. fucking gigantic. Yeah. And when we, I, th- I think they're definitely banking on just those diehard fans filling the seats. But I am curious to see even just tepid fans or even pretty big fans how their uh, just their opinions of these movies and and maybe if it is i wonder if this could potentially tarnish their the reputation that Harry Potter has because Harry Potter is, has a very has a shining reputation you know right we don't want like a yeah. prequels for <laughs> yeah. Harry Potter we don't like Harry Potter is one of those series that's like it will stand the test of time like that was like something that i really enjoyed cuz it like um as a kid, you watch Harry Potter, and then they grew up with you as you grew up. So it's like yeah. there's a whole generation thing. So hopefully that doesn't get tarnished by this. Yeah. We shall see. All right. This next story comes from Bloomberg Technology. And uh, I was a little surprised to see this headline, and it reads, How Apple Scaled Back Its Titanic Plan to Take on Detroit. 
and it reads, Apple Inc. has drastically scaled back its automotive ambitions, leading to hundreds of job cuts in a new direction that, for now, no longer includes building its own car, according to people familiar with the project. Hundreds of members of the car team, which comprises about 1,000 people, have been reassigned, let go, or have left of their own volition in recent months, the people said, asking not to be identified because their moves aren't public. New leadership of the initiative, known internally as Project Titan, has refocused on developing an autonomous driving system that gives Apple flexibility to either partner with existing car makers or return to designing its own vehicle in the future, the people also said. Apple has kept staff numbers in the team steady by hiring people to help with the new focus, according to another person. Um, this one just seemed like a total uh, change in direction because you know it was a little over a year ago when they kind of announced this Project Titan that they were making an autonomous vehicle to to almost to compete with uh, Tesla, and here we have them now kind of dialing back on this. Right. And so I might have like I might have not heard it. What was the major source of why they decided not to go forward with it? Uh, it doesn't name a new source. It says, let's see, here. the new shift in deadline come after months of strategy disagreements, leadership flux, and supply chain challenges inside Apple's unmarked car labs in Sunnyvale, California, a short drive from its Cupertino headquarters. Apple isn't the first to realize isn't the first to realize mastery of mobile gadgets and software updates is no guarantee of automotive success. I don't know if it necessarily says in particular. It sounds like it's just like they were out of their element and they gave it a good go and they're like, maybe we'll come back down yeah. <laughs> a couple yeah. of years. Maybe we'll just leave this on a shelf and table that for now and see how that turns out later on down the road. But, I mean, honestly, I can't imagine the logistics of all of the... It would it it's unfathomable like to go from doing what they do, uh, which is mostly just like yeah like software and mobile technology and all that kind of shit, and make it into a fucking car company, mm-hmm. like, and I and I I never really knew if Project Titan was thinking more along the lines of like creating manufacturer or manufacturing to be able to like help make the cars, or if it was more like having design schemas that they would sort of outsource manufacturing and stuff. Like I never really knew what it was, but it sounds like it was just like a head, like they straight up just had meetings, realized that there was a lot of crazy shit that they were going to have to overcome. And they were like, well, fuck it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but it it just kind of bums me out overall because we've talked about Apple. We talk about Apple a lot on this show. And when we do, we're always saying like, Oh, well, we're kind of waiting for that next big thing from them because they're always known for the next big thing. And every time we would say that, we would say, well, I guess we'll just wait for Project Titan. And now that one's kind of been dialed back, you know? (laughs) So it's like, all right, well, what is next? You know, are we just going to get new iPhones until Oblivion or what? And like, do you, okay, so I'm going to ask both of y'all, do y'all feel like Project Titan or even just the vague glimmer of a vision of a Apple car was uh, something that was developed in Steve Jobs's mind, or was it not? That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, it always seemed because because this whole like autonomous driving, at least in my me knowing about it, like this, there's probably been you. We probably could have been tracking autonomous driving for like for for like years. You know, we just yeah, it only took right. it like a while to get to the mainstream. So who knows if Steve Jobs like had already been eyeing it? To me, it always sound it always seemed like it was in the zeitgeist of Tesla and things like that, as if they were just, as if they were saying, "We see there's a market here. We think we can do it better," and that's why we're doing it. Which is always why I was so excited about it. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to say it was not in his Steve Jobs mind because Steve Jobs just always, he just seems like he, he's, he's in the computer world, man. He's not even about them cars. Come on. Right. <laughs> but what about computer cars? Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you bring computer cars, then you're just, just straight up making Tron. And then you're just going to get like, that's what, when I thought of Apple making a car, I totally thought like these sleeked out, like futuristic looking smooth cars that had like touch screens and everything yeah they had set my ambitions way too high because yeah, now so we're getting nothing I was, yeah i was like now it's like oh well the name was really cool we had that <laughs> titan cool project titan yeah uh yeah i guess like personally 
I, I think about it two ways where I know that Steve Jobs is going to be trying to identify, like he saw what in his mind, what a phone could be for people and how it could change lives and be mm-hmm. integral, you know, in, in everything that we do. I don't know if he would think ahead and say like, you know, now we can make a car that same sort of thing. Right. Um, because it probably isn't, you know, I'd say if anything, we're trending away from everybody having their own personal cars. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I I would think that he might consider it. I wouldn't say that this is one of his brain, brain children. Um, uh, but, but, uh, you know, I, the only reason why I speculate is because I think that we are officially, if they would have gone through and made Project Titan some, you know, super awesome success that would have changed things again, then we might have chalked it up to like, oh, like the continuing on with the creative genius. And right. now it's almost like they seem like they're out of that magic, that magic dust. That, that rocket sauce, man. For so long. <laughs> that rocket sauce ain't coming out anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is our last story. It's a little, it's kind of a joke story. Um, Tanner, I don't know if you know this, and I don't know if the Banter Nation knows this, but I'm a huge Formula One fan. It's my favorite sport. And in fact, this weekend in Austin is the United States Grand Prix. So I'm going to be, if, in fact, if you're listening to this now, I'm probably at the track just soaking in all the cars. Um, and one of the best drivers in the world right now, his name is Lewis Hamilton. I think he's a total shithead. I'm not a big fan. <laughs> I do, too. I don't know much about him, but I know he's a shithead. And so from Eurogamer.net, our headline reads, Lewis Hamilton is making an appearance in Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. <laughs> Wait, I saw this. What? And I saw, yeah, exactly. I saw this headline. I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> Get this guy out of my life. <laughs> And so it reads, this is an odd one. Lewis Hamilton, imminent Snapchapper and reigning Formula One world champion, is making an appearance in this year's Call of Duty. It's not the first superstar cameo in Call of Duty, of course. He follows in the footsteps of the likes of Kevin Spacey, Sarah Michelle Gellar, and Kiefer Sutherland, but it's certainly one of the strangest. And so I'm not going to go on with the story, but one, I just want to throw it in there because I think it's a total curveball. But two, I did want to use this at least to pivot a little bit and actually talk about Call of Duty because we don't really talk about Call of Duty much on on this show. But it seems uh-huh. like the the budget and the scopes and the scope of these games have gotten so big and wide. Where oh yeah, oh man, who's the guy that plays Jon Snow in Game of Thrones? What's his name? Kit uh, Harrington. Kit Harrington. He is like full mo capped. He's like the villain in this game. Yeah. Like he's in the game. Oh, nice. I didn't even realize that until like today, like just a couple hours ago. I was waiting for a video to load and it was that right there. Yeah, you're like, wow, fucking Jon Snow is in Call of Duty the now. Government. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> Jon Snow. And I was like, oh, wow, hey, that guy. So Kit Harrington and Lewis Hamilton, huh? Yeah. And so I just think it's wild, like, how much. Uh, just pull these games have in getting you know and first of all it's still just fucking off the wall for me that lewis hamilton of all people shows up in this game and apparently he's like a he's like a big fan of him but um i wanted to ask you guys when is the last time you've played call of duty and is this new one interesting to you like at all Hmm. i haven't played call of duty since black ops I think that was actually the last one I legit like. That was like 2011. Yeah, like I played Modern Warfare three. Like I played it just to get that kind of finish to the like the Modern Warfare series. Mm-hmm. But I knew they were going to move on to something else. But Black Ops was the last one I was like, dude, this is on point. Like the <laughs> the the campaign was great. To the pocket. Had Gar- yeah, Gary Oldman. Man, he's yeah, that was on point. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that was the last one I played. And just the, I remember there's that was the thing about Call of Duty is that there's so many different facets of it. Like there was people who just played the campaign and mm-hmm. loved the story because they had good stories and that was a really fun time and had good plot twists and good like oh shit moments that you weren't expecting. Right. And then there's people who just went straight to like they put got the disc put in went straight to multiplayer and never went back, and they just like were that all the time. And then there's like the Nazi zombie people. And then there's like the the blending of like the Venn diagram of all of those. I was trying to be in the middle of all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was really fun. I that was the last one I played and I started seeing just kind of after that it kind of just became stagnant and like the same thing over and over again. And yeah. that was probably the last one I actually played. 
Yeah, Black Ops is the last one that I played, like, religiously. I think I tried Modern Warfare 3, but after kind of seeing the gameplay preview of this game in E3, like, the first, like, two minutes of it, I was like, I didn't even I didn't even know it was Call of Duty. I was like, dude, what the hell is this new, like, space game? This looks awesome. <laughs> and just with how much they're able to put in these campaigns now, I'm actually considering letting this be the first Call of Duty in years that I might just pick up and just play through, you know? I don't know. It right. just... I think it, it, there's something to be said about playing the game that is essentially like one of the biggest triple A games in the industry and just kind of mm-hmm. seeing what they're able to accomplish with it at this point, you know? Yeah. It's like a, it's a behemoth, you know, it's, it's like the height of what we should be able to, to reach with <laughs> as many people doing the best of what they can, a lot of knob turning budget that they can, yeah. a lot of knob turning. <laughs> um, I think the last, <laughs> the last one I tra- played was uh, Modern Warfare 3 as well. Yeah. And uh, I think more than anything, like, I didn't even really like the story. I just liked the campaign. I liked the gameplay in the campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, like all shooters, once I got online, it fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah. uh, I would I would respawn and three, I'd take four steps and then just get snides, yeah. you know, side-sniped. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I could appreciate it still. I mean, it was it was it was very well made and and I I liked it, but uh, I don't I don't know if I'm gonna if I'm gonna give this one a try. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you're diving back into The Witcher at this point, man. Life's over. I, dude, I am. <laughs> so like, I'm starting to have my first like, just one little like half second thoughts at work where I'm like, I wish I was playing. Yeah. This right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> So you've uh, you've you've gotten an inception on me, Chase. Yeah. I'm glad that you're getting into it too, because yeah. now it's something we can discuss. Yeah, it'll be fun. Well, that has been the news. We're gonna take a quick break, and we will be right back. If you want to follow the show once the mics have turned off, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Witty Banter Show. Also, like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash witty banter podcast and help the show get discovered by leaving a review on iTunes. And finally, steer the conversation by sending a question to wittybantershow at gmail.com or suggest a beer for us to review by going to our website, wittybantershow.com. That's enough plugs. Let's get back to the show. We have taken a break. We've taken some talks. And we're ready to keep talking about this beer. But before we do, I gotta I gotta mention something. Something I forgot to mention at the top of the show. I am drinking my beer out of a new beer glass. And this beer glass was bequeathed unto me by none other than Mandy the super fan herself. And she made Witty Banter custom beer glasses for its third birthday. And on it there is a label that says Witty Banter's Beer, established 2013, and it is the fucking coolest. That's it, pretty dope, man. <laughs> so I wanted yeah. to give a shout out and say thank you to Mandy because these these beer glasses, they're really cool, man. Yeah, we got to floss them at the event. And then, dude, for my birthday, she bought me this little thing that I'm going to end up like... She, she got all of the bottle caps of basically every beer that we've ever reviewed that had a bottle cap. And then I'm going to put it on the back of this little thing, and then it has a hole at the top, and I can just put bottle caps in the top, and it's going to, like, fill up to the top. It's going to be dope, dude. And that's it has, really like, cool. And banner. Yeah, it's yeah, really, that's really thoughtful. It's milestones for our alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Um, Hunter, how are you feeling about this beer, man? Um... I'm thinking that since it's opened up, it seems a little less rowdy on the front end. I think so, too. Um, and and probably to its benefit, you know. And I think that allows to kind of get more of that, like, when it says um, fire brewed and honey. Um, what I would say is that for a porter, it feels kind of light. Yeah, know? I agree. I think, like... The only thing that's dark about it really is the color and, and therefore the malt that they used. You know, like it's they clearly use dark roasted malt, but it doesn't have that sort of thick, wintry feel that I that I associate with porters. You know. Yeah, I would. I would if I if I was just put this in front of me, I would call it like a dunkel. Um, yeah, I can see that. But but I'm sure they know what they're doing over yeah, here. Yeah, but and you they know, probably know how to <laughs> put a genre on this beer. They might know a thing or two. <laughs> but I mean overall like yeah I mean 
it's mellowed out well. Um, and I think some of the like subtle sweetness from the honey has come through and sort of like the, you know, the fighting of flavors has sort of kind of dissipated a little bit, which, which I think is good. And, you know, it's, it's, it's light and, um, it's enjoyable. You know, it's 6.5% alcohol by volume, but especially since it's mellowed out, I think it doesn't really feel, you know, that heavy. So I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. Yeah. I, I still think it's uh it's a little sweet for my taste just cause it, mm-hmm. it almost leaves my tongue kind of like sticky almost. And it's, I think the flavors there are really quite interesting. Um, it does kind of have like an apricotty with a little hint of even like raisin. Like it's got a little bit of, of depth in it as well. Uh, so it does kind of have that dried fruit sort of uh, fe- feel that it alludes to. Um, the honey flavor in general is also just a good one. You know, like I like honey yeah. and I think you can taste the honey in this beer. But it's it, not it, too much, I wouldn't say though, right? Like, yeah. Not- yeah, I think it's really, I think it's just really well balanced. And, you know, porters have a, have an opportunity to be kind of rich and complex. And I feel like this one's complex without being very rich, um, which is, you know, interesting. So I'm warming up to it for sure, as it's warming up to me. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and start our next segment. We are going to do a Get to Know Your Banners. Oh. Hey, my name is. <laughs> hey. Oh, no, you, no, you no, go no, first. My bad. What, what's what's you your favorite. Um, I'm Wait, sorry, you don't what think- was that? Get to know your banners. Except this time, we're going to mainly focus on you, Mr. Tanner, because you are a brand new banter on this uh, here podcast, and I'm sure the audience has some questions for you. I know I have some questions from you. We want to bring you on the show mostly to talk about, first of all, just, you know, we're so thankful for the helmet that you made, and we're just super intrigued about how you're able to create these really kick-ass props and helmets and stuff. Um, so I guess my first question is like, mm-hmm. what do you really like? How would, what would you call your hobby? Like is cosplay the right word for it? Or, you know, what, how do you describe it? I would say, um, cause like cosplay is something I've recently just got into of like when I went to Cincinnati comic con, like last month, that was the first time my actual props and cosplays ever went into public. Like they had never been out before. So wow. I had just been making them and posting on my Twitter stuff. That was the first time people were able to pick them up and look at them, and I was able to wear it and walk around in it. So I think that most of the time it's just been crafting, I guess, that I've just been doing different mediums. Uh, I started about – I really, really started last year with the, the mask, like the Jack of Blades mask. Sure. Which it started with like a plaster. Where you take plaster cloth, and you there's this whole process, and you make it to your face – and you take a no-bake kind of clay solution and you sculpt it. So I did that for a long time. I made like 10 or 12 mats. I, I started with that. Hence the then, name, the title. Hence the name. Yeah, and that's where it started. And like I started doing Twitch streaming. Uh, yeah. uh, people were like, dude, how do you make these things? And I just like sat there and started the whole process. And that's where it really started. And then I watched the video tutorial or a couple of those from different people of like, hey, a while ago, you tried making foam stuff, and you had a really, like, traumatizing experience of it failed, and you are really, like, it was like, oh, I can't go back to that. I'm not ready. And then I was like, you know what? I've been making these masks. People won't watch me do it. I might as well give it a shot. And so I did. So it's just the uh, – let me see if I can find a small piece of it. Oh, here we go. So it's just one of these uh, EVA foam masks. Like, you stand on them in your garage or at work so you don't get fatigued. Yeah. Uh, so you just cut those out. Uh, this is the Crash Bandicoot. The Hood of a God. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you just take those. You come to the shape you want. And then you use contact cement. Like what they use for like PVC pipes to keep those together in like your house. Yeah. Uh, you put those together. And then you heat form it to the shape that you want. And then you just you do that for a whole process of making your helmet, armor, weapons, whatever you want. And then you use something called Plasti Dip, which is like a plastic sealant that makes it all as one unit, so it won't fall apart. Yeah. And then you just paint it, and then you're done. So how did you? I mean, what what made you want to get started doing this in particular? Like, where did the inspiration come? You know. So I'll give you a little story time. So long yeah. time ago, uh, 2011. It was the first convention I ever went to. Uh, 
and it was just after like they had just released the first Skyrim trailer at the uh, VGA. Oh, I remember uh, those VGAs. days, man. Nice. Yeah, and it was like the first trailer, and so they they put out the Dover King guy, and I was like, dude, that looks super dope. Uh, <laughs> and so there was so the convention came up, and I wanted to start getting into cosplay, but I didn't know how to make anything. So I did the thing, and I went out and bought one online. Yeah, went to eBay, and I bought an Assassin's Creed Altair cosplay. Now. One of the main reasons why I do cosplay is because I bought one, and it was terrible. It was just yeah, like there was <laughs> like, the, I could the do this hood, better. The hood was like this reflective gray mesh, and it was like pleather kind of stuff. And it was like this silk, like looked like more like a doctor's gown kind of thing, and it was awful. And I was ashamed of myself. Yeah, why but, did I waste my money on this? It was really bad. Like it's still in my closet as a reminder. Like make your stuff. Hey, but the reason you gotta I burn felt, it in effigy, man. Right. Like I, I got to keep it. So the main reason why I started cosplay is the first real definition of cos- cosplay being shown in public is that we went to the convention and I saw a guy who was dressed as Dovahkiin. He had the full armor, horns, everything. And he was like this muscular build guy. I was like, dude, that's awesome. Good job. And I think he actually made his out of foam, but I didn't even look into foam yet. So we see that guy, shake hands, take a picture, and then we walk away. And we get to um, the dealer's room, which is like the giant trade room where all the vendors are at. And it opens at noon. So everyone's like kind of standing around. It's on the second floor. So we're all standing there. We're chatting. And we just hear this. And like you hear the Skyrim theme song, right? Like, is that Skyrim? It's like, yeah, they must be playing on like a speaker or something. And then it starts getting louder, and it's like, wait, is that live? Like, is someone playing, like, a performance of that? And so we turn, and it starts getting louder, and it it's sounds like a very orchestral-like string violin. And then it gets to the crescendo, and then we all turn to the source of the music, and there, standing with his fist on his hips, is the Dragonborn guy Hell ascending yeah. up the escalator. And behind him <laughs> is the little guy playing the violins. And he just like throws a great gesture. And everyone's like, yes! And then he pulls out a sword and he swings it around. It's like a dragon shout. And then they finish the song and then everyone cheers. And that is the definition of cosplay. Because costumes yeah. <laughs> are just like... You go to a costume party, oh, what are you? I'm dressed as this. But a cosplay is you become that character, and you really, it's that, that passion and that makes you want to be that character. And that guy sold it. And after that, I was like, I want to do that. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, cosplay seems, just in, in my own, uh, like, it, it seems like it's gotten much more popular in the last couple of years. It's getting mm-hmm. a lot more recognition on, like, bigger, larger mainstream websites. And it really does feel like a... It always looks and seems like a very inclusive uh, community that's always like pushing each other to to get out of their not only get out of their like, comfort zones but just to like do what you want to do and, and go mm-hmm. for it and like I think it's 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 a very uh, it, it's ad it's admirable you know yeah. and like can can you speak to any of that like have is that sort of how it feels at these shows and stuff I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the things that uh, certain people do cosplays and, like, make them for actual, like, game companies. And they'll, like, be there at their boots wearing stuff. Like, I know uh, For Honor at E3, they had people, like, people that made full-fledged cosplays. And some people just wore it for an advertising thing. Yeah. Um, but most, a good majority of, like, what I do is I make things that I don't see very often. And I know that I, I would love to have it in my room. So, like, I have, like, right there is, um, I'm looking right at, is the Slicer Brothers from Full Metal Alchemist. Nice. Which is, like, Hmm. one of the suits of armor in the prison. And, like, not a lot of people know what it is, but the people who did, like, they freaked out it. Yeah, that's when you get those (laughs) cool, it's like, whenever those people come up to you, you're like, yeah, I already know you're cool. Right. (laughs) Like, I was at the Comic-Con, and, like, it was the last day I wore it, and I was walking around, and, like, some guy watched me, he walked past me, and then came back. And turned out he was like a vendor down the alley from me. He's oh, like, nice. whoa, 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 whoa. Are you Slicer Brothers from Full Mouth? I was like, yeah. He's like, dude, my da- daughter and I love that. Can we take your picture? And it was like, that is when my heart melted. Like, yes, cosplay is my home. Because right. it was that, it's like you're a celebrity for like those 10 seconds that it takes to take a picture. Like, oh, sure. you are that, you are that person. 
And that's one of the <laughs> awesome things of do what you want to do and do like the characters that you grew up with so you can become those people. Yeah. Cool. I think it's I think it's super I I love how supportive everybody is and you know, like you talked about Twitch streaming and I I think that's how you and I ended up connecting yeah. on Twitter is through Twitch. Mm-hmm. And I love people who go on there like all everyone who's starting out and doing like creative streams, everyone just seems so um just encouraging of each other and it's just it's Absolutely. really cool to see. Right, because awesome. there's a phrase I heard that was like it doesn't do any good to discourage an artist. Like right. if you encourage them, they're gonna keep doing great stuff. If you discourage them, then they're gonna stop and they're gonna leave behind. Well, yeah, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but you've also done like bloodborne costumes and stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh I we're actually in the works, we're in the preliminary works of I have written and we're directing a Bloodborne short film nice. for uh, my college, uh, for our film club. Uh, but yeah, I have a, a Hunter thing, which that was less cosplay and more Goodwill shopping and then just <laughs> splattering it in red spray paint like to make it look like blood. But yeah. I just remember seeing a picture of it and thinking, like, you absolutely nailed it, man. Yeah, so like making the, the saw cleaver nice. and stuff like that. Wow, um, yeah, it's that, and it's good to have stuff like to look around your room, like, hey, there's that thing from that one game, and you can go and pick it up. And, yeah, that thing that you held in your hands in a controller, now you hold it in your hand, and that's one of the big things that I love about cosplay is like rather than just seeing it on screen, like, man, that'd be cool to have. It's like, no, you have the chance to go and make that and have that in your room, and you can look at it because it's gratifying in different levels of that you can look at and say like hey there's that thing it's real and it's also you made that you did that look what you did yeah <laughs> so i think yeah, everyone awesome. should should give crafting of some kind of shot cuz it's a great motivator like my thing is i do a prop a week i try mm-hmm. to set this goal of keeping myself productive uh so it's it a lot have man. Be, yeah and it's a lot but i'm able to do it like i bid did the the spartan helmet i'm working on i did that uh, earlier this week, uh, and I have I did the the arm guards and the shoulders today. Nice. Um, or I I constructed them, so I still got to do the painting, which is probably the longest time because you had very meticulous stuff. So um, you know you've your your props and things have just gotten better and better exponent exponentially. And mm-hmm. where can if you know all the banterers out there? Where can they see what you've made and, and continue to follow you? Because I want to make sure that people get to check out what we're talking about right now because it is, you know, it's impressive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I do have a Facebook page. Um, it's Forger Mask, uh, Facebook slash Forger Mask. Uh, pretty much everything will just insert your media, like Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, all that stuff, and just put Forger Mask, one word, and you'll be right there. Uh, so Twitter is the place where i'm most active and post the most frequent pictures uh the facebook is when i post like the finished products so Mm. on twitter you will see the progress as it goes along and you'll get like little teasers for future projects um cool that and then one of the other random things i do is more not really like trying to market it or anything it's just something fun i do that i like to do is i do voice tests on like SoundCloud, <laughs> yeah, uh, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. dude, the uh, flavor text for Metal Magic Helmet was fucking sweet. That was sick. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's really just like people are like, oh, you want to do voice acting? I was like, I would love to. I'm not expecting to. I just think it's fun to do them every once in a while. Like that flavor text, I was like, hey, I wrote that out. I was just, I was going to just send that and just say, hey, here you go. But I was like, no, they deserve the flavor text. <laughs> so I, I've got a question to ask. Yeah, absolutely. So. Since you've you, I'm sure that you can tell that you've probably gotten better since oh, yeah. you first started getting all this going. So, do you have any sort of grandiose, uh, sort of big ideas oh, that you, maybe even right now you can't imagine yourself doing, but like someday you're like, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna put this down. Oh, jeez, I it's something that I I think about on a regular basis. Whenever I go, whenever I finish a cosplay and I go to like my cosplay list of like, all right, here's things I want to do, and there's stuff I just look at. I'm like, not yet, man. Don't do it yet. It's not. <laughs> you're not to that point. You're, it's too strong. Um, <laughs> uh, man, there's a couple of them. Like, um, like a cosplay group that I think would be really fun to do 
would be uh have you guys seen pacific rim have you seen that yeah movie? i've seen that movie i'd be i think it'd be an awesome cosplay group to get three people of two people be in the pilot suits and then one person is a jaeger and then the two pilots act out simultaneously with the jaeger so like you <laughs> you'd have to practice it but like you would all do like handshakes at the same time and like that kind of stuff that would be a group thing i'd love to do I just had to find people who are just as hyped about Pacific Rim as yeah. I am. Ten, like, what, ten years later now or whatever Yeah, it is? Yeah, I'll be like an old man, like, come on, Pacific Rim! <laughs> It'd be great. Um, that would be a, a good one, but I think a personal thing that I would like... Man, that's a tough one. And I think about it all the time. I would love to... Let me look at my games real quick. Be like, oh, what's over there? That'd be like, really cool to do. Um... By the way, you did make the Guts sword from Berserk, I, right? Yeah. So funny story about that. So I am a huge nerd. I am one of the biggest nerds that people <laughs> You're talking read. to a couple of nerds yourself. Yeah. Right? If you weren't, didn't know by now. Huge nerd. Um, so I, and I do, I do a lot of like video games and then I do like D&D, but the most oh, recent man. one that I tried is uh, I went to a LARP. Oh yeah! And, oh uh, yeah! And so you officially made, crossed the threshold into true nerd. You're LARPing. Yeah, I am the truest nerd. Truest of nerds. So I went there. So they're like, "Oh, here's the the regulations, and you couldn't make something over, like, um, I think it was four feet. Like you couldn't make it over four feet, or you got a penalty." And I was like, "Okay." So I made Jets' sword two four feet long, and I made it like a foot wide. Like it's pretty big. And so, like, I'm like, yeah, this will be fun. This will be great. But no one, the person who invited me didn't seem to want to tell me that it was mostly, like, teenage homeschoolers. Oh, yeah. So you were the coolest one there. So I got there, and I have, like, like, it was like a hodgepodge kind of build. Like, it was the Templar shoulders and, like, the crest from, like, Dragon Age. And then I had Guts' (laughs) sword, and I had, like, these other braces from just my friend made them for me. And so I get there, and there's all these kids like, oh, wow, well, I'm just here to have fun. And then we get into a battle, and this little child that's smaller than my sword comes up to me. He's just like, please don't hurt me. And I was like, I'll make it quick. I just chopped him down. <laughs> it was a really brutal moment for me, but it was also a really satisfying nerd moment. Uh, that sounds pretty satisfying to me. It's great. I've, all, I've yeah. always... I, 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 since watching Berserk, yeah. that guy and his sword, it's just like he has like certain little parts where he monologues about like, he's like, it's been proven, proven to be true that when this sword is in my hand, I am invincible. Yeah. <laughs> like, that fucking guy. Yeah, <laughs> I want to be that dude. guy. Well, yeah. Tanner, thank you so much for uh, enlightening us on your craft. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. But uh, let's go ahead and hop over to the mail corner right now. It's Dennis Milkona now. Hey, what we got going? Smoky. Yeah, man. This first one comes from, you guessed it, Dunter Horset. Okay. And he says, although I appreciate that my question was asked to a brewer, I would prefer my emails to be read in their entirety. I don't come up with names like Wiener Winkers just for shits and gigs. I do it for the audience. And he says, I'm just fucking with you. I do it for the shits and gigs, but the emails don't just sound, but the emails just don't sound right without a little bit of my flair. I have to agree. Anyway, if you could be reincarnated into anything in your next life, what would it be and why? Get glooped, you poop group. Dunter, why did no one talk about Max's barrier explosion in episode 79 or set? (laughs) <laughs> uh, what was Max's barrier to explosion? I, uh, I remember barrier to explosion. I don't know. Yeah, I feel Max's like, dude, was. it's hard for me to keep track of what we talk about even ten minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> if I could be uh, reincarnated, so be- I would have to either go with an octopus because I want to be a smart sea-dwelling creature. Because does it have to be a real thing? I mean, it's. I, I guess. It's it's, it. I mean, when Dunter Horset says anything, I presume anything, <laughs> as long as it's like an organic thing, I would, I don't know. So I'm going to go with either an octopus to stay underwater or just like a huge bird of prey just to fly around because who doesn't want to fly? Yeah. 
Hunter, I, what are you thinking, man? Part of me thinks that being like a... So, like, uh, if dragons were real... <laughs> you fucking dragon. I wish I could be a dragon. Yeah. Dragons can even fucking talk a lot of the time. Yeah, they got yeah. tons of gold. Yeah. yeah. They, they yeah. sleep on They're it, greedy man. Greedy as fuck. Um, but if I'm going to keep it to something real... Um, I preferably would want to have a, an active life, so that means probably an animal of some sort. Um, I think being like a whale would be pretty a cool. A whale? Or, well, yeah. Nobody messes like, with a whale. Gonna, who's going to fuck with you? Yeah, and like, you make these shit. awesome <laughs> trips with your family. <laughs> you like, got, hey, you do have a good family. And you can like do tricks in the air and shit. Actually, no. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to say a dolphin, actually. I think being yeah. a dolphin would be probably one of the best as far as animals go because they're smart as shit and they hang out in packs and they have social fun. It's true. Tanner, what about you, man? I would I would probably have to say... Um, I'd probably have to say like a big like grizzly bear. Like something that no one's going to mess with you. You can pretty much go anywhere you want. Everyone's going to be like, let's just give this guy a wide berth. Yeah, you officially <laughs> become the master of whatever domain you're in. Yeah, like... That, and if anyone goes against you, like even if it's like a pack of wolves, you can just swat them down. Like, get off me, bro! Get off! Stop it! Like, like you're. But just I kind of wonder. Away. I kind of wonder how isolated you'd be. Where, like, if every time that you're walking anywhere, somebody's just like, <gasps> <laughs> just, dude, I'm just trying to hang out, man. <laughs> what if just you a do friendly like, bear? reaction where it's like, <gasps> like, it's like, like it's simultaneous, like, <gasps> and then like run away? Okay. I think that'd be interesting though. This next question. Is uh, it's it's gonna mark a moment in witty banter. It says my cousin Dunter turned me in. Turned me okay. I'm gonna read all of your typos here as well because whoever's doing this is being a shit. My cousin Dunter turned me into your show. He said I could ask any question I wanted so long as I called you a funny name. So here it goes. Hey, dump chumps. What is the weirdest thing you found out you did after a night of intense drinking? Forever yours, Wace Ted Chilliams. We have a new secret alias, and they're trying to be clever with my name now. Didn't they also say something along the lines of, like, Max, your name is coming up next? Says, I'll get your name next, Max, in the subject line. I also have to say that Dunter Horset really goes the extra mile, because his email address, when he emails in, it comes from Dunter Horset. This one comes from Chase Williams. So whoever was doing this one just couldn't get my real name out of their head, man. Yeah, it's it's like uh, I give him a fifty like, percent. It's like okay, have you have you seen um, the no, uh, fucking what the hell is it called? Uh, um, the one with the book, the Death Note. Death Note. Yeah. Have you seen Death Note? It's like it's like um, Dunter is Kira, and Wace Ted Chilliams is Kira too. Yeah. Where uh, yeah. Where like they just keep making stupid mistakes. But they get kind of confused for each other, but there's no way of proving who's who. Um, so, so the weirdest thing that we found out that we could do, or that we did after a night out? Yeah, after a night of intense drinking in particular. So so Tanner's already uh, uh, gets to remove himself from this one because he doesn't yeah, drink. I'm, I'm, just in a, I'm just back in the audience now. Like, and this is, why, this is probably why you don't, right here. <laughs> so... I mean, recently, so last New Year's, um, I realized this is just bad. Um, <laughs> I I went to a bar with a couple of friends, and um, I blacked out when I was there. And so I woke up the next morning, felt horrible, obviously. I walk out into my living room, and uh, there's a bag of Whataburger there and what was weird is like you know it was like the night before that i had clearly gotten this so you would think that maybe like some ice or some condensation would be on the drink maybe there'd be something like maybe possibly edible out of it and i look in there and like it's just flat coke and like it's like super smashed nasty whataburger in it and 
I'm like, dude, what the f- like how did I get this? <laughs> and then I like look go and look in my car and the jacket that I took to the bar was in my car. So which means oh. that I, that I oh. went and I drove to oh, Whataburger no. and blacked out. And what I'm thinking happened cuz like I didn't eat any of the food. <laughs> I, like, just I just smashed it. <laughs> I just went and got, I, I just went and got it and then apparently just fell asleep. And so, On um, and so it was all like nasty. Like it was like a shittily made, like Whataburger doesn't make that quality of badness, you know? And I'm thinking what might've happened is I was just so wasted that I was like being a drunk idiot ordering my food and they probably oh, fucked my they food fucked your bunch. food up. Oh, jeez, that makes I, sense. I can't for sure say that, but I mean, it doesn't really matter. So I'm gonna say that that's what yeah. happened. But yeah, that was that was just like really. I was like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> like, well, I think the one that goes down for me, I was um, I was in college and. I had been, I'd been drinking the night before and I woke up, I, I, you know, when you wake up like early in the morning because you're so fuck like you're just so hungover that like you don't even get yes. a good night's sleep. I wake up in one of those things and I, and I have great, I have two roommates in this dorm room that literally sleep right next to me. Like it's just an open dorm. Right. And I am on top of my covers naked and my boxers are just like on the other side of the room. And I'm just like, <laughs> well, I have no idea what I was thinking last night or how we got into this situation or how much of my freaking pangus everyone's seen. <laughs> probably but, all of it. Uh, all probably, of it. yeah. Probably most of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Thank you, Waste Ted Chilliams, for the question. Um, that's all of them for this week. So, Hunter, let's go ahead and put some numbers on these beers and we'll get out of here. Okay. Uh, I'll go first. So while we were talking about, you know, how it uh, it mellowed out into its its benefit, I will say, like, it still has, like, a little bit of this just, like, uh, sprightly, like, fiery beginning of the taste. It's like, I don't even get a whole lot of taste. It's just, like, a lot of just mouth activity. It's just, like, sp- just hits you. Yeah. Um, once Once you kind of get past that... Um, as it's mellowed out, like it, 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 it kind of does like at the beginning of the show, I said it kind of looks like Coke and it kind of drinks that way a little bit as far as like the mouth feel, like it's not as carbonated as it's like a flat, uh, soft drink would be as far as like how it, it, this, it's like a syrupy in a little way, but it's not like thick syrupy. It's kind of just like uh thin syrupy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's sweet. Like we said, um, the honey lingers around, which I like. Um, and, um, again, it's 6.5% alcohol by volume. It doesn't really carry itself like a port, any porter I'm used to. So it's different. Um, I don't know if that necessarily is something that I really like, but I'm going to give this what it's alcohol by volume is. I'm gonna give it a six point five. I don't I don't right. think that it like I don't think that it's it's good enough to be like, this is a good beer, but I it's it's solid. I'll give it a solid rating. I'm gonna double up, man. Six point five was the number I had in my head, dude. And here's why. I mean, there's something just off putting to me about that first initial taste that you're talking about. I agree that there's just a lot going on in that in that initial first second of the sip and that I think it's the yeast like they talk about the esters of this beer and there's just something like honestly it almost tastes a little like metallic to me which mm. just it just there's just something that I don't like here and I can't exactly put my <laughs> finger on it um, it doesn't really feel like it doesn't have like a mouth feel of a porter to me I mean it's it feels thick, but not because of the form of the beer. It's, it's just so much of like the stickiness of the sweetness. And I'm one of those people who doesn't like overly sweet beers. 
Um, I still think it's decent. Like this is a well-made beer. I just don't. It's. I just don't yeah. really like it too much. I, I think there is some complexity there to the flavor profile. I think you. I think you do get some. Of, you get the honey and you get those um, dried fruits that it, it talks about in the description. I, I. I definitely taste those, but there's just something else there that's funky to me, man. And and I just I can't get down with it. <laughs> okay. So would cool. you would you say it was pretty straightforward? <laughs> that is the quintessential witty banter term. What? Well, that's the quintessential H Dizzle term. Yeah. Uh, when I don't know have have anything else to say about it. <laughs> What's sad is it started to play over in like my everyday life. You know, like I'll I'll start looking at a task at work and I'll be like, that's pretty straightforward. Knock that out. Yeah. That's straightforward. That's pretty straightforward. And then I'm like, fuck. <laughs> All right. Well, Tanner, dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was awesome to have you here as a guest. We really appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Great time. These guys are great. Keep listening to the show. It's great. <laughs> thank you so much, man. Well, let's go ahead and get the uh, plug vomit out of the way. Witty Banter is on iTunes. Search Witty Banter. Hit subscribe, and all of your episodes will show up in your download queue for free. If you don't have iTunes, that's all right, because we're on a variety of other uh, podcast services. And if you can't find us, just let us know, and we'll try to get to where you're trying to get. But you can also just go to our website, which is wittybantershow.com, to find all of our episodes there. We're on Twitter. We're at Witty Banter Show. I am at Bodacious Chase, and Tanner is at Forger of Masks, where you can find all of his kick-ass cosplay. But until next week, that has been episode number 80, and we are trekking right along to the end of the year. It's pretty exciting. All right. Night, everybody. Bidopipop. Bidopipop.